And the exit polls showed that, that, which was interesting, that the coronavirus or that the virus it was a very has low was not importance to many yes, of the voters which there. Was it was education, right. which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching right. about race. And I mean, unfortunately, race is just the most palpable tool. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Listen to the brand new variety program, fellas. I love it. It, it is honestly such a like telling clue of where the party is. Like we are on the way up and you got all the intro. We're on the march. We're on the march. It's a new day for the variety program. It's a new day for America. You love <laughs> to see it. Glenn Youngkin, victorious in Virginia. And just, you know, we got to celebrate. You love it. And Joy. Joy with a nice little intro there, too, Smug. I know you appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, I have this, like, new unifying theory of Democrats. I, I'll probably get into it a bit later. But she says straight up. She gives the game away. She's like, racism was such a powerful tool. It's like... Which is the way they that view it. That is it. it That's right? the way they That's use it the every time. That's, That's the problem. The, we've been talking about it on the Variety program since the beginning. They see racism as a political tool. Yeah. That's what, and, and they apply it It's so to disingenuous. It's so disingenuous. It gives it away right there. If you weren't to re- like refer to it as a problem but as a tool, okay. Uh, now and, we and, see what and it's just up to. and it's just a straight up lie, right? To say this was white parents, and it's like look at Loudoun County, exactly. Like the emergency <laughs> pod went into it, like black counties. Shocker, black parents also care about education. Who would have known? And Winsome Sears is totally blown away by the fact that racism elected her. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm sure what she's a night. What a night. Sure the most diverse, like uh, you know, ticket, ticket. you could have. The Republican Party took it in Virginia. So we got a real banger for you. Yes. We got a real banger for you. First off, we got a sponsor today, Alliance for Consumers. I've got a a great little interview we're going to get to here shortly on that. They've got a a really specific issue that everybody needs to hear about. We also have Jesse Hunt from the RGA. I mean... This is going to be huge. This is a long time coming. A little ride along. A little ride along. (laughs) Uh, how are you, pal? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm really glad to be on the program uh, and not having to eat five pounds of shrimp cocktail in an hour in order to, you know, find my place here. That's I, right. Long I, time. I appreciate it. Uh, so long time listeners may remember Jesse Hunt, personal friend, uh, communications director at the RGA and a shrimp cocktail aficionado. And the RGA did a lot to help make sure. Last night went as well as it did. It's generous of you, Smug, to finally admit that they that they played a, a role. You like to troll, Jesse. I love to, that's how you know they're a personal friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've known I've known Smug for a very long time, and uh, you know, I've I've gotten used to uh, his tactics, and you know, he's very good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> but you Likewise. made him eat shrimp anyway, didn't you? Oh yeah, we. I mean, that was the victory celebration. I mean, seriously, y'all over there. Rex Road, JP Twist, amazing job, amazing job. Teamwork makes the dream work, and we got Virginia. We appreciate it, you know. Huge we, win. Yeah, it was. We were, we were really happy to play, you know, a, a part of that. Um, you know, the Yunkin team did an incredible job. 
uh, for the duration of the campaign, really close, strong. And, you know, we were glad to come in there, uh, work closely with them in the final months of the campaign, you know, provide financial support and everything else along the way to help them get a victory, flip a, a blue state red. First time it's gone Republican since 2009, Bob McDonald. So, I mean, how really beautiful sad. is that? Virginia is a red state. You love oh, to see it. It just felt that different. feels good. Yeah, it just, it's, so, it's so great. So, look, listeners of the Variety program have believed this was possible for a long time because we talked about it. We had Yunkin on, I think, the 4th of April. Yep, that's right. Uh, before the primary. Before the primary, we talked to him. Yes. And I clearly slant shot him. Up oh, the, obviously. Up. The ruthless yeah, I, bump. I mean, I, I don't want to take all the credit, yes, but do. we should take all the credit. <laughs> but, but maybe like 75% of yeah, the Yeah, I think that's a fair amount. Yeah, there's, do you think that's fair, Jesse? There's, there's a ruthless bump. Yeah. Uh, we, can, we, we, we track it in our internal data. Oh, yeah. That's no, right. That's, that's right. That's, that's, exactly. that's key. That's key. No, but, but I think my first question is, you knew the dynamics that were playing out. You knew what was likely to happen when Democrats overreach, which they clearly did immediately after Biden was inaugurated. At what point do you think everybody at the RGA became a believer in this race? I think we we even knew during the primary that we were likely to get a really solid candidate uh, coming out because you know there was a, a, a real um, interest in this race. I think there were people who were willing to take step take a step forward. Um, you know, commit themselves to public service. And Glenn Youngkin did a tremendous job, was able to um, cobble together uh, good support during the primary, move on to the general election. And you really, um, from, you know, during the period of summertime, he really started to find himself uh, as a person, who he was, family man, former basketball player, dishwasher, uh, somebody who, you know, lived the American dream, you know, uh, came up through um, the, you know, Richmond area, Norfolk area, um, going to college at Rice and then coming back home, achieving great success at Carlisle. Um, that was a story that I think resonated with folks. And then you saw really this this race start to turn in August. Um, Joe Biden's catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan had a really, really, really major effect on independent voters. I think it uh, undermined his central reason for being elected, which was he was the adult in the room. Yeah, yeah. stability. He was a stable hand. Stability yeah. instead yeah. of chaos. Yeah. You could trust him. And we started to see the numbers turn among independents uh, right around, you know, August time. Coming out of Labor Day, we actually had Youngkin ahead in a lot of our internal polling. And that is a testament to Youngkin's uh, message and his campaign's focus on kitchen table issues. Yeah. I thought that was really important that he was focusing on the reasons why um, people weren't feeling like the country, the state was going in the right direction. Rising cost of, of goods and services, rising crime, these things were really personal to a lot of these voters. And he targeted it with very specific plans to address it. And I think that's what started to, to turn a lot of this uh, momentum, and then obviously the issue of education uh, just loomed large for the duration of the of the campaign. But it was part the three part like three pillars to his campaign that he wove together for uh, to make a really compelling message. Yeah, I mean we've argued on the program uh, basically since August that Afghanistan was a real turning point because it allowed voters who were willing to give Biden a shot at being the adult in the room, people who voted for him, frankly in November, to begin reevaluating everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Is what he's doing in the economy making sense given the inflation? Increasingly, no, right? Yeah. Is is what he's doing on COVID making sense now that we've had more people die in 2021 than we did in 2020? And and people began to revisit 
and re and reevaluate that. And you're you're entirely right in that Yonkin's discipline to stay focused on the stuff that actually matters. Do you think that that is? I mean, look, this is a first time candidate we're talking about, and for those of us who've been in this business, it's surprising. I mean, he was so on point. Yeah, I mean, for for those of us who've been in this business, when you have a businessman who's a first time candidate. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Usually, you're like, all right. You know. You know, like at some point they get frustrated. They get, it's particularly when they're under duress, mm-hmm. when they're attacked all day. They're not used to it. They don't know how to deal with it. Somehow, this guy managed to keep a smile on his face. My 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 favorite example of that, Holmes and Smug. You played this clip for me the other day, and that is um, when he got asked a question about you know. Terry McAuliffe says the CRT stuff is fake and that it's really just racism that's driving this whole conversation. And Yunkin pretty much just straight out just pivoted on the question and said, look, I'm not going to take lectures from Terry McAuliffe who called for Ralph Northam to resign after it was he was found out to be somebody who wears blackface or, or wears a KKK hood we're not sure which one still to this day right um and and then holds an an event with the guy and puts his arm around him i'm not going to take a lecture from that guy about what racism is and it was like it was an advanced move for a first-time candidate to to reject the premise of the question and refocus it on what the reality was and as as someone on the variety program who's we've talked about this a lot which is that you do not have to accept the premise of the question from the media. Don't take the bait. Don't it, take it, it the bait. It was like an Iverson crossover going from not taking the bait to dunk. And just broke their it ankles. Is, awesome. which is broke also, their ankles and then dunked it. Which is also a nice Newport News thread line, mm. which, which Yunkin did very there well we go. then. There we go. Right? And, and, and another thing I want to bring up is, and, and this is probably a great lesson going into next year, is so there was a primary. You know, we had Pete Snyder. We had Glenn Yunkin. And, and what happened in the aftermath is is conservatives circled the wagons and they're like, let's win this. Yeah. Right. I, I talked to I'm sure he'd be, he'd be OK with me saying it. But, you know, I talked to Pete uh, two days before the election and he was all in. And he's like, Yunkin's got this. Yeah. You know, he called it, you know, and I was just like, someone told me today, uh, Pete, after. He he lost the primary to Glenn Youngkin. He donated. Yeah. to Youngkin. The I guys. Mean, that's he, what it is. It's that, like, yeah. That's it. We got to win. That's team it. players. It's team players. It's not about you. Right. Right. This is much larger, and that's the thing that all of the listeners of the program understand. I think increasingly, the Republican universe is starting to understand is that this is none of this stuff is about a person, a a individual, you personally. These are big, big issues that we're facing. I mean, Virginia. If Terry McAuliffe was elected governor again would have been Horror. off the freaking map well i mean everybody having their backs against the wall here with unified democratic control in washington has a way of getting everybody to put the jersey on and say we're one team let's go win this thing and that's what i just love to see coming out of this is like we got to keep that momentum going yes. i mean you're absolutely right Holmes. so jesse t- tell us at what point because look Everybody had a little 2020 hangover, mm-hmm. right? You more than most, by the way, <laughs> yeah. dealing with you were in the middle of Georgia. Yeah, it was a, that was a fun experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, I keep finding myself in these really odd um, sort of elections that uh, take up uh, an inordinate <laughs> amount of national attention. The, I was in 18, I was at 
the NRCC, so we had all those special elections, Georgia six. Oh wow! The Georgia oh, runoffs, that's right. the Georgia Senate runoffs. Now these 2021 um, elections uh, for you know governor of Virginia and New Jersey. So the spotlight know, follows you, my man. Well, I'm just glad some of the national atmospherics are breaking a little bit stronger in our direction this time. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> but but we all had a little bit of a hangover. The variety program uh, uh, powered through it, but not every donor did. Not every sort of activists did at what point do you think this tide started to turn was it the same afghanistan thing where where people all of a sudden said you know what we can go win some governor's elections so i I, the the beauty of the rga and this was uh unique for me coming in um there is a belief and a track record of governors getting stuff done and just being able to um no matter what's going on at the national level in washington dc um, move forward sensible solutions that help people in their everyday lives. So I do think that seeing what Democrats have in Washington right now with Joe Biden in the White House, Democrats in control of Congress, um, not doing a very good job of governing um, at, in any branch of government right now, um, it's actually quite embarrassing. And seeing all of that occur, people are looking to elected officials who can actually um, effectuate positive change. Like responsible adults. Yeah, exactly. So we've seen a lot of interest in uh, our governors uh, throughout this entire year. And then as it started to get closer, um, the optimism around Virginia coinciding with uh, the president's slide um, certainly uh, provided a good amount of energy um, to everyone on the ground, people in the uh, gov orbit, uh, excited about picking up a race in 2021. Look, we have, there were 38 races between 2021 and now going ahead in 2022 where we have 36. Um, that is a lot of uh, governor's mansions that are going to be up for grabs. And a lot of our supporters um, of the RGA are tuned in to our ability um, to hopefully turn a lot of those blue states red. A lot of interest in his governors. A lot of of interest in his governors. (laughs) I have an interest in his governors. We have some interest in your governors. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I know they're a frequent topic. There's a couple couple of them in particular. It's like you're holding them like, you know, you've got some aces and some kings in your, and we'd like them. I'd like to steal them from you. I mean, some of them are impressive leaders. I just, I I have to be honest. Chris and Anu should run for Senate. I mean, I, can we have them, please? Can we have them? Can we have them? As a as a as a mass resident who's worked on several campaigns up in New Hampshire, um, the way that Chris Sununu has governed, the way that he's campaigned, um, he's a tremendous asset. Uh, no matter where, what office he runs for, um, I mean, he's you know, a beast. Yeah, we, I mean, but you should, look at the polls. He, he should run beast. for senate. I he think he should run, run for senate. senate. That wasn't a no. What about Larry Hogan? Can we uh, have Larry? Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan's term limited. Uh, he's left us. Uh, so he has with, to run for senate with, by law. With so you agree? Built, so you agree? He, he's left us with something to build off of in Maryland. Uh, we're cautiously optimistic that we'll be able to hold that seat. But I think Larry Hogan has. I think it's the the fact that we're sitting here talking about Larry Hogan's ability to potentially win a senate race in the state of Maryland goes to show that a, gov- a Republican governor in a blue state can put together a track record and gain results that allow him an opportunity to run for a federal office in a state that's voted Democrat at the national level for I mean, how many cycles. I mean, it's almost miraculous the it, way that he's been able to maintain a record as a conservative in Maryland. And not just that, but like have coattails. 
It's like we could get yeah. like a two for one. We get him for Senate. We get another Republican to run for governor. And like, gosh, let's go. Like, let, Lib zoned yet again. Everybody let, get on board for the with, big win. I but, would love that. Let's t- let's just take a second to explain to the audience why this is a big thing. Because look, Larry Hogan in Maryland is not a Texas conservative, right? He's not a Mississippi or Alabama conservative. He's not Ron DeSantis. He's not. He is not the kind of people that gets your your wheels to spin if you're a conservative from a deep red state, right? It is important to understand as a movement that in order to build a coalition that gives you a majority, particularly in the United States Senate, you need to pick off a few of these, right? And if you have any questions about that, go talk to Susan Collins about the Kavanaugh nomination. Exactly. Yes. Because without her, without her, you don't have him on the Supreme Court. Right. He's not there. And you see how key that is when the Biden administration has shown it's essentially it's just lawless. They're like, oh, uh, you know, a rent moratorium. Yeah, I'll allow it until the Supreme Court says I can't. Right. They, like, that's our last stop. So well, it's our senators and, and, who make that last and then, stop and happen. Then, and then also, just from a tactical standpoint, we got to defend a lot of Senate races, right? Like yeah. some Republican seats. Yep. Wouldn't it be great to expand the map? Wouldn't it you be know, great I, to play some offense? Right. When you look at those results from Virginia. All about offense. Right. You look at those results from Virginia. And the writing's on the wall. We have the opportunity to expand the map, which I think we should do. What about Ducey? You think uh, you you can't Ducey? You're talking about the guy's boss. Let let me just say this, that we are confident right now on the the gubernatorial map that we can compete anywhere. Virginia and New Jersey showed it. Like, we're still sitting here waiting for results uh, on New Jersey. Jack Shetterelli ran a really strong campaign. Um, New Jersey's a state that Joe Biden won by almost 16 points. Republicans can compete anywhere in 2022, particularly with how poorly Biden is doing in office and the fact that, um, you know, it's going to be really hard for him to rebuild after the Afghanistan situation. People don't believe in him anymore. And I think that can be applied more broadly to some of these other um, races where Republicans might not be the odds on favorite on paper because of registration advantages or historical trends. But if you have a uniquely unpopular president who has such poor image rating among independent voters, we had him at minus 24 in Virginia and minus 20 in New Jersey among independent voters on our final poll. Just to stop you on that, what were the minus what? 24 in Virginia, minus 20 in New Jersey. So minus 24, minus 20. This is a state he carried by 10 and a a state he carried by 16. swing and a half. So we're talking like 30-point swings. Yes. That's real shit. Yep. That's real shit. And I don't know how they get out of that because, as we said, that was his central reason for being elected. He can't change who he is. I mean, he's falling asleep when he's over in Scotland. Yeah, um, I mean, like, literally, folks, he's, it's sleepy Biden. Yeah, like, he's like, falling asleep. He's, he's falling asleep. He's not up for the job. Well, I, people elected him to be a, a, a basically a bureaucrat. They elected him for normalcy, to settle things down. Instead... He fell asleep while the staff decided to go like off the Bernie Sanders left-hand side of the map. And that's exactly it. Yeah. Like um, there, there, there was a lot of discussion uh, the morning after Yunkin won of, of Dems in disarray being like, the, the message from the White House was like, have we gone too far left? And I, I mean, they just got pulled into it completely. The fact that he made his vice president someone who was like, <laughs> you're a racist. 
He's like, all right. I guess well, it's I a tool. Make it, yeah. as, we, as Joy reminded us at the top of the program, oh, yeah. it's a tool it, for it's Democrats. Tool. And, and man, it's it's amazing to watch them get destroyed by their by their own tool. Well, I want to I want to talk a little bit about their tool, and then I'm going to ask you a broader question, Jesse, about it because we mentioned in the special program about the Minneapolis race. Uh, there was a referendum on whether to actually defund entirely and, and separate the police, and it just got actually trounced Mm -hmm. they threw city council members out they got kind of new ones um the same thing sort of happened in a bunch of little pockets around the country i think i think i saw seattle seattle may have even elected a republican a a prosecutor there so crime clearly an issue Mm -hmm. there's a still a backlash from the 2020 lurch to the left this idea that we sort of don't prosecute crime anymore in this country how much of that do you think is still in play? It's an essential issue in every single race, no matter what office we're talking about, whether it's you know top of the ticket governor's races, Senate races, House races, all the way down to some of these local prosecutor races that we're talking about. Um, we saw Glenn use crime against Terry McAuliffe uh, to his advantage because under Terry McAuliffe, we had a, he had a 43% increase in the murder rate. He's is proud of the support from uh, groups that are pushing to defund the police. Um, that is who he associates with. That is what he stands for. He's not willing to really push back on that. There were multiple times that he was uh, unwilling to meet with different sheriff's groups. Just a real slap in the face to members of, of, of law enforcement. And that was one of the pillar pillars of Glenn's campaign. He talked about three core issues. It was education, economy, and crime. Crime and safety. What and have we been talking about here on the program? Exactly. Those three things. And, and I would I would remind our listeners that Glenn Youngkin's share of the African-American vote went up. They carried two House districts with plurality black vote. Yeah. And, and, and MSNBC is going to tell you all day this is about white backlash. Right. And again, I'm going to remind folks, this is kind of like a pet issue for me. Glenn Youngkin won Latino voters 55-44. And I, I think it's incredibly offensive that sometimes, like Democrats, assume that these are just you know concerns of affluent white communities. When what uh, you know, minority parents don't care about their kids getting a quality education, right. And having choice in how their kids, what, what what their kids learn, having safe communities so that they can walk to and from school, they can take their kids to the bus stop, and not be concerned about any sort of riffraff that's going on within their community because Democrats have just allowed things to run amok because God forbid they come out with a crime and safety message. You know, the woke left will come out and accuse them of, you know, being racist or God knows what. And it's having an effect on these communities and it's resulting in really, really poor electoral results for Democrats. That's just the the way that we view it as, you know, folks that are in politics, political campaigns. People are talking at the ballot box and it's not looking good for them. And crime is a issue that I would guarantee you that every single Republican running for office in 2022 will talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no question. The other issue is schools, yep. right? And we saw a clear takeaway in a number of places across the country. The one that I'm, I'm highlighting here is, is in Texas, South Lake, Texas, where there was an election that was entirely a school board election, entirely determined by anti-critical race theory platform, right? Yep. And, and, of course, the anti-critical race theory platform <laughs> c- 
clearly won and has won on a lot of things, including in Virginia, right? Where Democrats have basically taken the approach that it doesn't exist, or if it does exist, it's overblown. Or if it's if it's not overblown, it's certainly... Uh, well, there's the other side of it where they say that it's not overblown, you should learn about it, right? And they're split. Mm-hmm. But average Americans who are sitting there with their kids are like, wait a minute, we need, we're teaching our kids whites are oppressors and that and that to, today it, it, today the 21st century slave slave owners that's that's it that's what we're teaching them i mean it, it just so blows the mind that they have re-entered into this segregationist debate yep. in today's society that it's just blown a hole in their coalition and like you said republicans have increased black vote as a result I mean, are you seeing this, Jesse? Is this is this something that's happening in other races you guys are focused on? Yeah, there's going to be, I think, a, a real um, reckoning on how uh, people's kids are taught. I think uh, COVID and the fact that in, uh, in-home learning uh, became, a remote learning rather, uh, became the primary way that a lot of people's children were um, going to school. Uh, give parents a window into a lot of these things that are going on and like the curriculum that they're being that they're it's being forced upon their children and they're wanting to play a more active role um i think glenn youngkin did an incredible job of talking about this in a different way it wasn't just as a parent yeah it wasn't just about the um the academic theory of critical race theory and like what what the it is about conceptually. It was also just about the really basic concept of parents having more input in what their kids are being taught. And Terry McAuliffe, yeah, that's obviously having, uh, you know, we always had Glenn Youngkin ahead prior to he he had done a tremendous job putting that making that race competitive and putting himself on a position to capitalize on any missteps. And Terry McAuliffe made uh, one of the all time biggest missteps in a debate when he said he doesn't want parents yeah. telling teachers what to teach. It'll go down in history. Yeah, it's like. Wait a minute. He said the quiet part out loud. That's what they believe. We're, that we're, wasn't a gaffe. He said how, the quiet part like, out loud. Exactly. Were you, exactly. What, were, what were the high fives like at HQ when Randy Weingartner shows up at the end of the of the <laughs> campaign? Like, how did they? Yeah. Like that what the idea. hell was that? I've never seen a campaign. I've been around the block for a little while now, and I've never seen a campaign that insisted upon doubling down on objectively bad strategy. Right? <laughs> like for, for for weeks, Terry McAuliffe kept going on and on about like, yeah, that's actually what I meant. And then he goes direct to camera and I guarantee you In a response yeah, ad. In a response ad, that was a candidate ad. That was a candidate telling his team right. that was saying, brilliant. Hey, I'm real I'm seeing all these Glenn Youngkin ads. I'm really mad about it. And I'm so I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat my opponent's attacks and right. talk about all the negative things that he's Just saying about me. Massive <laughs> problem. For, for, for our for our listeners who who have undoubtedly seen a ton of political ads in their in their lives, but maybe have not worked on a campaign when you have to run that ad, <laughs> when you have to run That's an ad problem. responding to the opponent's attacks and the candidate wants to go to camera <laughs> to basically explain it away, you're losing. We call it the I'm not a crook. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Right. It, 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 that, it was incredible. He kept doubling down on it. And so it was it was kind of it was actually pretty comical that he decided to bring Randy Weingarten out for like his closing um couple of days it just shocks me because you couldn't be i mean look i talked about texas 
Colorado and Douglas County had the same thing. Lancaster, PA had the same thing. Johnson County, Missouri had the same thing. Happened in Iowa, too. It's literally the entire country is like, hey, school boards, fuck you. Right, right. Here's here's one thing I want to interject with, though, on that. Because obviously a lot of great news out of Virginia. Great news with Hispanic and African-American voters you know, shifting more to the Republican Party, a lot of it on the education issue. One thing I want to say is like we've talked a lot about like what this portends for 2022. We got to do more school choice, school choice, like like how how between now and then Yunkin and others among them, how do we go back to these minority communities with more education options to say, you know what? It's worth it to vote Republican yeah. because we're actually going to deliver something. Yeah. Like, how, how does that work, Jesse? So that that's the great thing about a lot of our governors is they can play an active role in their states, the direction of their state's education, um, yeah. where it's not just theoretical. Uh, we've seen, um, you know, I, I worked for um, the education governor back in the day, like, I'll get a Jeb Bush plug in here. Jeb Bush's presidential campaign, that was something that he was, it was a major part of his um, entire agenda um, when he was helped shaping, turning Florida into a, a, a reliably Republican state. Um, the you know, Republican governor hasn't lost in Florida um, since uh, Jeb Bush was elected um, back in, in 1998. Um, so I do think that there's a long track record of Republican governors leading on the issue of education. Um, and I think with COVID, it's given people a new opportunity to start having, you know, the, the, the fact that the teachers union played such a major role, the teachers unions played such a major role in our country's policies as it related to wild. getting kids back into school just wild totally I think not. cdc yeah it, it was overruling so... overruling the cdc <laughs> yeah. remember yeah. remember we had a we had an entire year where if you if you questioned at all the dictates coming from the cdc yeah you were an anti-vaxxer you you were a lunatic you were a denier of covid Right. Right. But then meanwhile, uh, it was being dictated under the Biden administration by the teachers, by the teachers unions, rewriting the policies of the CDC. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's a great thing that a lot of these parents are getting more active um, at the local level in their in, in the direction of their um you know, school districts policies. You're also seeing a lot of different groups pop up that are, you know, having an effect on the conversations that are happening at a local level. I know you all have had like Ali Murray and yeah. other folks, um, you know, that are involved in the. We've been on Virginia. this issue, yeah, on, yeah. on the program. Um, so I think that's 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 awesome as well um, to help um, provide some of those really personal stories because. From a, from a political standpoint, as a as a elected officials, we always talk about it from a very macro sense. We come at it from a, a, like a top-down approach. We talk about it from a, like, here are some policies that are going to help all of you. Uh, here are some problems that are going on that some of you are, are facing. But having those really personal stories about um, how what, what your child's experiencing, what you've experienced as a parent, is really, really important for telling our story. And I think that is one thing that we saw in Virginia. Loudoun County parents talking about very specific examples of you know woke educators um, trying to hijack the, their child's learning experience and th if that could be replicated in other states I think it will go a long way toward Republicans continuing to win the argument 
of um, more choice and education. Yeah. Talking yeah, about it, these specific, right. bringing it also, pretty personal stories. Right. It also highlights the, enti- just the absolute terrible nature of a democratic argument here that doesn't exist. Because like we've we've talked now three episodes about that New York Times guy who is a, a lifetime Democrat who voted for Yunkin because he was sitting there during COVID listening to his daughter be taught yep. critical race theory and was like, oh my God, I mean, I literally can't believe this is happening. So when you say, tell a parent that's listened to it, I mean, no longer can you pull the wool over a parent's eyes. We went through a year, a period of a year where parents became well acquainted with the curriculum that were being taught to their kids. Right. Right. So now you turn around and tell them they're not learning what you saw them learning? No, no. No, that shit doesn't work. Yeah. Right? Parents are going to turn around and say, the hell with you, which is what happened. I mean, Loudoun County is a good example. Uh, Joe Biden carried it with 63%. We'll call uh, it 55. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I think, I think uh, what Yunkin Mark, oh, people, not necessarily model target, but talking about like what people thought would be good, was like high 30s, you know, maybe low for Glenn Yunkin blew it out. And a lot, a lot of it is because of that issue, which I believe has, and this is something that you know, you all in McConnell world um, were well acquainted with, you know, with Obamacare. I think education and some of the conversations that we're having on education has the opportunity to be a really uh, mobilizing issue for a lot of Republican voters. Those it's who, the biggest yeah. applause line that Youngkin got last uh, on Tuesday night. No, no question about it. But but you're, what you're getting at is, I think, a serious point, which is in 2010, you had at least 10% of the electorate that, that backed Barack Obama in a significant way mm-hmm. in the 2008 election, turn and back Republicans in a very significant way in that midterm. The reason why was because they saw them and their families, the health care that they had provided for their kids all of a sudden go into this bizarre ideological quest to change you know, what they thought of America. Never mind the fact that they could go to their doctor or not, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so people me- immediately begin reevaluating. We're talking about the center of the electorate. We're not talking about ideological polls. Republicans who are Republican, Democrats who are de- Democrat, leave them out of this conversation. The center of the electorate who looks at all of this stuff based on how it affects them personally... There is no more powerful thing than how something like healthcare, or in this case, how something like education affects their family personally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of people woke up, a lot of these voters who might have been trending away from Republicans in past election cycles, woke up in 2021 and said to themselves, wait a minute, um, I don't necessarily think these folks are straight shooters. I don't think they necessarily had my interests at heart. We're starting to see their true colors. We're starting to see them, like the, the the woke agenda that has permeated through corporate America, that has permeated through sports, through pretty much everywhere, right? Right. Has now gone to the um, you know lowest levels of uh, our child's education, coming in at a you know we're not talking we're not necessarily talking about high school kids and all these. Yeah, well. it used to Talk be confined like, yeah. to like the like the higher education yeah. sack where where you you, College, yeah. you could trust your kids, yeah. their adults to make you know decisions over time about whether that's right or wrong. But when you're getting this shit injected into your brain from the age of five on, it's different. Yeah, it's so, different. Look, I grew up in Massachusetts, so I'm from. 
Oh asshole. boy! I'm How the hell did you become a Republican? <laughs> I'm an asshole! Shocking! Uh, oh, I, I, you know, Scott Brown helped steer me in the right direction after his 2010 campaign. There you really, go. Like it was. It it's was starting to feel sort of Scott yeah. Brown around here. We've I said that you. on the program. I like I was like, holy hell! Like, I, Mitt Romney was our governor, but I, I would be like, yeah, I'm a Mitt Romney supporter. People would always look at me like I had three heads, and they'd be like, really? Like, I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah. But then like Scott Brown, seeing that he could pull off a Senate race in in, in a state like Massachusetts, it was like, damn, okay, this is real. Like. We okay. can do it everywhere. We can do it. So like, that was that was that was what really pushed me into, into into politics. And but growing up in Massachusetts, some of the teachers very very liberal, but they appreciated and welcomed my input just in high school about different issues. Like they would they would welcome. Yeah, it's a long my time debate. ago. Huh? Yeah, they would welcome. They would welcome. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore, debate. pal. Yeah, no. I, and that's and that's I think what's most alarming for a lot of parents you know you're talking a lot a lot of these parents people with kids you know they're you know 25 to 50 and they're saying like wait a minute i remember at least a you know healthy debate was good we, we got to college and, you know next thing you know i remember taking economics classes and i'm reading paul krugman i'm like now i see paul krugman's tweets and i'm like holy shit yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. i was they, they were teaching me that, kid, that totally. kind of stuff he, he does not give a, he does not believe in any sort of uh republican sort of philosophy when it comes to the economy um but you know i I, I think that's the concern a lot of parents have, not just the curriculum, but the fact that the cancel culture, right? That their kids will be silenced or ostracized within the school system because they happen to have a counter view yeah. of, a, of a situation. So Yeah, no, no, listen, you guys did a whale of a job and I think we're all counting on you continuing to do a whale of a job. We're going to try to steal as many governors as we can. I've got my <laughs> eyes many. on many more than we've just discussed, by the way. Hey, you know, it's probably a good sign when we have such hot uh, commodities. Uh, yeah, no, you're doing something right, I, but that's the end of it. We're going to we're going to try to poach <laughs> as many as we can. I want to go to some business here. We um, listen on the variety program. We deal with uh, a range of exposure of what the left is trying to do to us. This particular issue, highlighted by our next guest, O.H. Skinner, is something you ought to pay attention to because I didn't know it existed. All right, so you know we, we cover on the program uh, a fair amount of different ways that liberals have tried to basically back in either taxpayer money or any kind of shady funding into the political advocacy or outright campaigning uh, area. And I want to welcome the program somebody who has got a, a really interesting new group that has uncovered something I'd never even thought about before. But O.H. Skinner, former Solicitor General of Arizona, welcome to the program. Thanks. It's great to be on with you. So you got a group that's called Alliance for Consumers. And what you're specifically talking about here today is this amazing sort of network of trial lawyers, right? That, that have yep. figured out a way to pipeline taxpayer cash into liberal causes. Is that, is that about the update? That's right. That's right. I mean, look, Alliance for Consumers does a lot of things to advocate for making life better for consumers and get money into consumers' pockets. But one of the biggest problems we've seen and needs more light and needs people like the program to flag it is how the left has managed to hijack tax dollars through what we call the shady trial lawyer pipeline. And this is, they, they get weak giveaway contracts from public officials with left-wing trial lawyers. Uh, this will be, you know, government officials giving out these contracts 
and they can be worth millions of dollars. And then the lawyers funnel that money into hardcore liberal causes. This is terrible for consumers, but everybody who listens to the program should care because this is liberals gaming the system with your tax dollars. So, so let, me, let me get this straight. So what happens is, so say like a state government, for example, could do yep. something. Like, so state government enters into some kind of litigation with like, you know, any sort of somebody who's done consumers wrong, essentially. Yeah. And they outsource the legal effort? Oh, yeah. They, they outsource the legal effort and, you know, and look, Sometimes that makes sense, but what they do is, and this is where the shady trial or pipeline is so dangerous, is they sign up a giveaway week contract with almost no protections for the state. The one thing it guarantees is millions and millions and millions of dollars for the left-wing trial lawyers. And that's how consumers get hosed. And then the, what those trial lawyers do is just so egregious, it's so one-sided, that this is how liberals have gamed the system. You know, I'll use just one example. One of the biggest firms out there is Morgan and Morgan. They have 700 lawyers. Uh, that sounds big, right? They they gave four million dollars in just federal FEC track donations over the last two federal elections, right? <laughs> four million dollars. That's double all the employees of Twitter during the same period. <laughs> double all the employees of Twitter. Now you're thinking, oh, I, well, where did that money go? 99% of that money went to liberal causes, liberal organizations, and liberal candidates. They have, uh, the founder of the firm, John Morgan, cut a $355,000 single check to Biden victory. <laughs> he cut a $100,000 check to Terry McAuliffe for governor. It seems like that money has gone to waste. Which no, is, that was, know, yeah, that was misspent, shall we say. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he's, you know, he flew Frank Biden to the inauguration on the firm jet. I mean, that's the kind wow. of commitment you see from just this one firm. That's one firm with 700 lawyers and they're giving $4 million at a 99% commitment to liberal causes. And that comes from the shady trial or pipeline where they get public dollars. They get public officials to give them these weak giveaway contracts. And then when they get the winnings, they turn right back around and funnel it into really terrible left-wing initiatives. Nancy Pelosi gets checks. Chuck Schumer gets checks. Eric Holder gets checks. I mean, they're pumping it into the professional tentacles of the far left. What's and so these are your tax dollars, including red state tax dollars. Like, I think we're all pretty familiar with the concept of, of shady trial lawyers, right? And we understand that, that for years, people have figured out a way to game the system where, where their actual victim of, of problems gets far less than the attorneys that actually settle these cases, right? But what you're That's saying right. is an additional wrinkle to this, which is states and localities or government itself has actually made these contracts with these yeah. lawyers. And, and, and so, I mean, does anybody look at the paperwork and they're like, oh, wait a minute, how, how oh. in the world are you able to take more as, oh. as a contractor here than the actual victims of whatever was perpetrated? Yeah, no, this is, a, this is a, one of the things we always urge people and any follower of the program should be doing this, which is if you hear about this, if you see something, say something. And a great example is in Montana, the uh, Republican attorney general for the last few years had signed one of these contracts with one of the most egregious firms out there, Motley Rice, 
six page contract that looked like it was written by the firm <laughs> covering with no time limit could have covered any case and millions of dollars were going to go out the door. They got a new attorney general, Austin Knutson. The guy's going to be a future star in the Republican party. One of the first things he does is he terminates the contract because it was basically written in crayon <laughs> and had no protections for the state. And it made no damn sense. And what he does right there is he fights a huge victory for consumers, for taxpayers, and he cuts off the shady trial or pipeline in Montana and makes sure that red tax dollars, Montana tax dollars, aren't going to a guy who Motley Rice, Joe Rice, bundler for Joe Biden, ambassadorial, rumored ambassadorial pick for Joe Biden, who's pumping hundreds of thousands of dollars at a 98% commitment rate to Democrats. Man, that's you know, amazing. And and that's where when, when, when people who are involved, people, the kind of people who listen to this great program that helps translate things to, you know, committed conservatives, um, people like Knutson, that's real leadership. And these are terrible contracts. And when people look at them and when politicians know that people are looking at them, they get thrown out because they're garbage. So, so the key to this, and I imagine what you're advocating for, is, is supporting public officials who do the right thing here. And I, That's right. Is there is there any sort of reform that you all have looked at that would help you know stop bad actors? Because look, look, there's a lot of blue states out there too, right? And and I imagine yeah. your constituents are getting completely ripped off by this. Yeah. Look, we advocate a lot of different things. We have we advocate basic protections in these contracts. Like a simple one that should be easy for everybody is if the lawyers are suing with a giant class action on the same topic a state should be able to fire them for cause that because that's a conflict simple. of interest. Yeah. Look, when I was in Arizona, one of the first things you'd see is people would come in, they would sign a huge class action and they try to sign your state up. And then sure enough, they would use the fact that they represent the state and the badge of the state to make better terms for their private class action. Mm -hmm. And the private class action would always settle first. Why? Because that allows them to capture the most money possible so they can shove it back into the shady trial lawyer machine. Oh, and, we're a bunch uh, of scumbags, man. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And the most important thing to take away from this is uh, there are good people out there that are starting to push back. But whatever your issue, whatever part of the of the conservative movement you care about, um, these guys are funding and funneling through the Shady Lawyer Pipeline efforts to shut you down, knock off your candidates, redistrict your state. <laughs> they yeah. are. This is the professional left. This is the hardcore professional left that is trying to undo everything that the listeners to the program care about. Man, this is really great. I, I really appreciate your time. You got to keep us updated on this. OH Skinner, Alliance for Consumers. How, can the people go to your website, check out more? That's right, allianceforconsumers.org. And uh, follow us on Twitter. We'll flag all the problems and, and the good actors who are fighting back. OH, thanks again. Take it easy. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, look, this... Uh I had no idea that states could hire out pro basically legal teams of their choosing to settle cases on behalf of the state and take the money. <laughs> not give it to the not give it to the victims of, of whatever is happening, but rather just pocket it and then funnel it back into left wing causes. Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, this is kind of like my uh, unifying theory right now on Dems is there is a facade of what the Democratic Party stands for. And then there's 
like the actuality of of what the party is and wants to put into effect. So like the facade is you have AOC shows up to like the Met Ball wearing like tax the rich and the reality is they pass salt deductions. You know, they want to pass salt deductions. They give all those people a tax cut. Retroactive. Retroactive. So it's like a, a, a stimulus check to their millionaire and billionaire donors. That's their agenda. That's I, how they I want to make sure there. everybody understands what Smug just said. When they're talking about the state and local tax deduction that Trump got away with, that he, he did away with. Yes. Reinstating the state and local tax deduction means that millionaires who live in states... That are blue as blue like gets. New York and California are like ninety five percent. Yeah, they're like ninety five percent of it, but but they pa- have huge taxes. They take the huge taxes that their liberals have levied upon them and they deduct them from their federal tax. We subsidize them. Right. We subsidize so the low radical tax, left. Yeah. So low tax states subsidize the high tax states because of these deductions. Made worse, these assholes had the audacity to make it retroactive which means which means what what these libs in congress are about to vote on amounts to like what could be a $50,000 check to basically every millionaire in California and New York it would be it, if you counted it as a as a total cost it would be the biggest ticket item in the entire package larger than the climate change <laughs> stuff or anything else and that's and, what their priorities are, folks. And, and that's what I'm talking about is like you have the, on the surface and like you watch MSNBC, you watch CNN and they're like, oh, we are all about equity and we want to help working class people. However, we have an agenda that's funded by billionaires like foreign domestic. Like there's this Swiss billionaire. The, the oh, I love this hobby horse yeah, for you. I, I do. I mean, it's just so frustrating for me. We're like. Uh, again, uh, the Rhode Island Center. What's his name, Duncan? The White Sheldon. House. Sheldon Whitehouse, who White he, White House. You got White House. White House. Exactly. Who, who belongs to multiple? Uh, all white. All white. All clubs. white. Talk, talk about the incredible name. For <laughs> and they're lecturing it's us. Insane. And, and yeah. so they're like, "Oh, this is like uh, the Republican Party is white supremacy and dark money groups." And there was a great article of all places that Atlantic had uh, that dropped uh, right after our victories talking about how the left is essentially bankrolled by left-wing dark money billionaires who want an agenda that's like oh i want salt deductions yes that that, that'd be very and that's what we were talking about with the tara mcginnis stuff and the led to the politico apis and everything else so i mean it all sews up in a neat in a neat deal i want to get to two things fellas because we've got to have some fun yes needs to be some candy yeah let's play a game let's do it let's play King of the Hill. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a reigning champion. I I mean, this is, this is, I'm going for what would be, I believe, a record number of victories with Max Boot. Is it really? Well, I would be in terms of a streak. A streak. Because yeah. I think if I won, Maximum it would be four. Boot. I mean, he's just been on. He's had hot boot. stuff, man. He's had hot stuff. Smug, who is the challenger today? Ladies and gentlemen. Sherry Jacobus, a newbie, a rolling newbie. up first time, first time challenger. Wow. Well, let's go ringside, ladies and gentlemen. Your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill in the red corner, fighting out of the Mueller report. 
and making her debut, our challenger, Kami Cherry Jacobus. And now, in the blue corner, fighting under a tilted fedora, and current champion of the world, maximum war now, war forever, boo! All right. Wow, fantastic. Smug, are you so confident in your stuff that you want to go first again? You know what? Uh... <laughs> I am very confident, but I want every advantage. There possible. you go. Okay. There you go. Holmes, you got to go first, pal. Okay. Um, here's the problem. I have five boot takes. Only five? I really? have five, No, I have right. five that are worthy of, of this game. Uh, sure. I got, I, I got a dozen tabs open or share Jacobus, just like going brainworms. I'm going to go with, I'm not going to tell you my strategy, but I've got one here ah. that I, I like a lot. Okay, this is at uh, 2.06 p.m. Recall that I my running theory on boot is that he does the martini lunch like Jesse Hunt does. <laughs> <laughs> because all of his hots come right around that hour. Okay. Right? Imagine you lived in Italy, 1922. Germany, 1933. Spain, 1936. Argentina, 1973. Russia 2000, Venezuela 2002, or any other country on the verge of losing its democracy. What would be the most important issue? What's taught in high schools or the fate of democracy? <laughs> Come on! Come on! I mean, that's, that's pretty great. That's pretty great. That's pre- I like how he had to give us the laundry list. Like we didn't, we like we didn't get the. Well, point. that's his thing. It's the faux intellectual. Yeah, yeah, right, right. With he's a he's a historian. He's well, international the, historian. He's going to give you all the history instead of just saying like Italy and Nazi Germany. Yeah, like no, no. They, he had to do the whole. No, and he's got to throw in like Argentina, nineteen seventy three. It's like oh yes, Argentina, nineteen seventy three. Yeah, yes, as everyone, as everyone as remembers, everyone recalls, of course. For all the non nerds, I have some actual fire. Oh, wait, 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 the tilted oh. fedora. Yeah, I mean, it's, how it's, dare you? I mean, I mean, Sherry had a lot of, of things on her mind. This is November third, twelve twenty p.m. Coddling and normalizing white supremacists is how we got Trump and how we get more Trump. Dems didn't fight hard enough <laughs> in Virginia and lost the turnout wars because Trump and his white supremacist insurrectionists <laughs> and his Russian <laughs> asset thugs have not been held accountable. Dude, it's like, wait, boom. We wait. broke him. She, she, we really she, broke him. We broke him. I mean, wow. We broke him all she brought time. In, she brought in Russia. She brought in insurrection. She brought in we didn't fight hard enough. <laughs> I'll read it again for the jury. Coddling and normalizing white supremacists is how we got Trump and how we get more Trump. Dems didn't fight hard enough in Virginia and lost the turnout wars because Trump and his white supremacist insurrectionists and his Russian asset thugs have not been held accountable. <laughs> That's a lesson. Honestly, you think about Yunkin, it's like, we, we, we could have held the Russian asset. It was the Russian asset. It was the Russian That's assets. what did it. It was the Russian asset. We didn't fight hard enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I honestly, 
We have done this game for over a hundred episodes. I do wild. not know how to respond to that. It is stunningly wild. It's it. It might be the greatest nuke ever leveled. Ever played. <laughs> let me let me just say. I had what I thought was an absolutely freaking like catatonic explosion. What I just witnessed. She's out of her mind. I have lost my breath. Totally lost. She it. managed to shoehorn all of it. Every conspiracy theory from the last four years into a tweet. I mean, Putin, how do you do that? Putin was out in Loudoun County. How many times? How many times do you think she had to write that for being over the word count, the character limit? <laughs> You know what I mean? And she had to find ways to shorten edit it, it down, like to edit it down to get all this stuff to fit, so that all the brain worms could appear in one single tweet. Holy Every shit. worm. Look, I mean, guys, let's just move on. Let's move on. Let's move smug. On. You win round one. Let's go. I'm fucked. <laughs> oh, I've got it. All right, I got to recalibrate. Go right, ahead, I mean, dude, this is so crazy. This is nuttier than squirrel shit. Like nine oh eight. November second, nine oh eight a.m. or p.m. 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 Okay, she, like she's seen enough. It was okay. getting it was getting ugly at that point. <laughs> it, was, it was getting ugly at that point. Uh, oh, tweets, this is a VA gov take. Yeah. Okay. The, the the tweets get dark. Dem voter enthusiasm will skyrocket in next year's congressional midterm elections if indictments for Trump and his thugs <laughs> start raining down. If there are no indictments. No justice. You'll see more of what we're seeing tonight in Virginia. How is this the first time we've played That's her? That's not a threat. It's a reality. <laughs> God damn it. God How damn is it. this the first time she's been on she's this program? She's so ready to roll. So ready. Like, you know, there's a lot of things people can consider. There's education. But you know what it comes down to is indictment. Yes. They got to rain down. It's the Alpha Bank server. It's Russia Gate, <laughs> and, and she, you know she's had too many at the bar. Where she's like, "That's not a threat; it's a reality." Because her friends are like Sherry, parody, parody, like, parody, they're, they're, parody. They're like Sherry, calm down. You've had like a bunch of Long Island iced teas. Put Twitter down. No, for legal Sherry for legal reasons, that's rolling with the takes. For legal reasons, this is parody. In theory, in theory, <laughs> possibly, maybe people are saying. You know, you know, I thought the take that if the they had passed the infrastructure package, that somehow that would have helped Terry McAuliffe the, the win in Virginia, was a hot take that was just you know absolutely garbage. But my God, you happen to find one that you isn't that it. something just <laughs> incredible? Is that what I'm saying? Fuck, that, am I that, supposed somehow, to deal with that this? Somehow, somehow help your electoral Holmes, prospects. Uh, Holmes, you gotta play the best thing you got. I got it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, the fedora. I, the, I thought the fedora had a good week. I had no idea this lady existed. <laughs> God, where is this queen, Ben? It's like a 14 seed in the March She's, Madness tournament. Just that just, oh, that's what it just, is. It's just, Baltimore just, City College or whatever the hell. They just <laughs> draining threes. Just got to get hot. Got to come. Okay, all right. Here we, go, here we go. Here we go. Every candidate in our country from dog catcher to senator must answer the fundamental question. Do you support or oppose Trump's efforts to destroy our democracy? <laughs> this is a litmus test Glenn Youngkin failed. <laughs> Smug wins. <laughs> <laughs> can I read? Can I read? Like, uh, it's just a different, different she's level. She's crazy. She's crazy. It's just a different level. She's, she's, in theory, you know, many people are saying out of her mind with these takes. I had so much fire. I had so much artillery. 
here on so many subjects. Can you can you do me a favor? Can you just read your next best? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm I, I want more. So this is at 11 p.m. Things are getting darker. <laughs> <laughs> Things are getting a lot darker. Like New Jersey's not looking great. And, and here's what she's firing off. Racist parents dictating oh what kids God. are taught in public school based on their racism, not on what actual history is, period, or math. And here's the beauty of it. I got to show Duncan. The She starts the tweet with, like, not capitalized. It's like... Misuse. It's, like it's a, a misuse of the internet. It's like a, uh, you know, it's you a flip misuse? a coin when she is, like, capitalizing words in here. <laughs> Oh, guys, we may have a new queen. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start researching today on how I can take out this woman. She's just like out of control. Out of control. Oh, oh. Wow. You know what? Hey, listen, listen. Let me just tell you. Congratulations. Yeah. You I, deserve it. You you've brought someone to the show that we hadn't had on uh, previously, and you've blown it. That away. that Jen Rubin loss the other week was demoralizing, and I was like, you know what? We got to put the nose to the grindstone. You Find did your research. I really appreciate yeah. that. And, and I mean, my God, the oh, takes. That's, oh. that, that, that's some serious talent evaluation. Yeah. That's like Bill Belichick finding one of these, you know, former veterans on the Seriously? scrap heap and turn them into a Pro Bowl player. Man. <laughs> you be the next time. You're real eye, folks. The mass, the mass hole got a Patriots reference in. <laughs> yeah. Who, who would have thought? <laughs> Jesus. We shouldn't have let him ride along. <laughs> All right. So, um, Look, coming out of the King of the Hill, I'm still catching my breath. But let me say this. Our guest, Wesley Hunt, congressional candidate in the Houston area of Texas. He is unbelievable. This gentleman showed up in in studio today with more energy than any candidate we've ever had. This guy was ready to go. I've never seen anybody more fired up about serving the people that he lives amongst. Wesley Hunt. I want to welcome to the program a, uh, a guest we've been looking forward to for quite some time who's joining us in studio, which is really the only way to do this. Wesley Hunt, how Happy are you, sir? Here. Happy to be here. Good morning to y'all. Well, listen, uh, for those of you who don't know Wesley, he is running for Congress in one of the seats that we've got to have. Got to have. He's, uh, he's done it before. He's got the name recognition. Tell us about yourself, sir. Well, thank you all so much for having me on this morning. This is great. I've been listening to you all for a little while and really appreciate it. So the first question you asked was, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, let's just see where the spirit moves us. Yeah. <laughs> Which is and the I way we... Tell, I, that's how y'all roll down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> speaking. That's what the outline looks like in every episode. <laughs> a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. Start with sheet of paper finish. Yeah. Spirit. That's it. Spirit in, in vertical letters. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. So happy to be here. Thank y'all. Yeah. Um, so it's Houston area. It's Houston area where I'm born and raised. Okay. So born and raised in Houston, uh, come from a military family, military conservative family. My dad did 23 years uh, in the in the army, retired as a lieutenant colonel. Uh, there's three children. Uh, my sister went to West Point in my family first. <laughs> she did 23 years active duty, uh, retired as a lieutenant colonel as well. I went to West Point in my family second. Uh, f- uh, got out of West Point, uh, went to the army. Um, became an Apache helicopter pilot. It's just the most fun I've ever had in my life. It's just been downhill ever since. <laughs> right? I mean, you fly, I flew 55 combat air missions in Baghdad wow. in, in 2006. And, and it's kind of bad. Like when you peak, 
and you're like 24 years old. Yeah, I know the and feeling. You think it gets better, and it just, it just really doesn't. <laughs> I wasn't flying helicopters, but, <laughs> but I'm pretty but sure I was. Be- I was better at 24 than I am now. No question about it. So, so. But you, I'm not done yet. Hold on. One okay. Because right. my brother went to West Point too. Uh, what? Does your family have a choice? Yeah. No, we didn't. I mean, okay, all right. Well, no, we did. Like, like we live in a democracy, but my house was not one. Yeah, that, right. It's one of those things. But not like that. But thank God for my parents because I'm, they raised just you know three kids that just love the country, believe in service, and literally that's why we're still here now. People gave a lot for us to be here. Yeah. Sacrificed a lot for us to be here. So it's it's our duty to continue to serve, and that's my parents, and that's why we're here. So. Tell me about these combat missions because I'm um, yeah. fascinated. How many did you say you flew in Baghdad? We I flew fifty five combat air missions in Baghdad. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So what was that? What was that experience like? It well, the mission profile at that time was we would uh, there were two Apache crews that would loiter around Baghdad twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, the Apache hel- uh, helicopter is uh, a weapons platform. Uh, there's a pilot and co pilot gunner. Uh, we don't pick anybody up. We don't drop anybody off. We just have missiles, rockets, 30 millimeter gun, and we just go do work. That's mm-hmm. basically that's basically our job. And we would support ground units that would, you know, that were hit by an IED or under sniper fire. Or they got ambushed. And we would just kind of be in the skies waiting to get that call. And you didn't want to be in the airfield when you got the call because then it would take too much time to get spun up and then take off mm-hmm. and then get, then get into downtown Baghdad. And so at that time, they, they just wanted you up there just in case. So you could imagine sometimes in a four or five hour profile, we didn't see anything. Yeah. And then sometimes we we're juggling chainsaws. Oh, man. It just did. It just depended on what was going on that day and how crazy terrorists wanted to get. Uh, but when I say watching the ground unit, watching the, that, that infantryman on the ground, kicking down doors in 120 degree weather, I, it's, it shakes my soul to this day to see those patriots do their country's biddings. Yeah. And I tell you what, I love being in an Apache helicopter. Um, but, and one fun story about it, you know, when I was going to flight school and we had to pick our aircraft at that time, we knew that we were all going to go to Baghdad. Now we had, we had a choice. We had the Kiowa warrior. We had the Chinook, we had the Black Hawk and we had the Apache. (laughs) Now the Apache is a sexy one with all the guns on it, but there is also one key thing about the Apache that's really important. It has air conditioning for the pilot. Uh, There you go. go. (laughs) And if you're going to Baghdad, if I'm going to Baghdad, not only do I want to shoot back, Right. I want climate control. I want, some cool, I want a cool breeze. I want a nice cool breeze. <laughs> Who's the dude that chooses the Chinook, right? I, it gets chosen for them. I love that. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, for, first of all, thank you for your service. Of course. Of course. Um, you were there in a pretty hectic time. It was 06 was about as, as crazy as it gets mm-hmm. in Baghdad. And, um, and you come back, and then what? Came back, um, did, did some more time in the military, um, lived in Saudi Arabia for two years as a diplomatic liaison officer. And if that doesn't make you love this country, then I don't know what will. And when you live in a country, and I left there in 2012, that was my last tour, uh, uh, tour of duty, uh, women didn't have the right to drive. Yeah. So, so imagine living in a population where half of the population could not operate a motor vehicle. Think about that. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, we, we have issues in this country, but we don't have real problems. Not like that. Not like that. And, and I think that kind of perspective, amongst other things, like, for example, even freedom of religion. You live in a country where the entire country is Muslim and pray six times a day. The whole country stops. Right. 
you and I get to serve whatever we want to serve, who we want to serve, and how we want to do it. Right. Just just because we're free to do so. It's not mandated on us. So that's not lost on me in this fight for what I think is a soul for our nation right now. And that's, we need to keep that because I've seen way worse. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when you, you come back, is that what sort of inspires you to get into public service? Is that is that the... The point where you've decided, like, look, you obviously have, have gotten a master's degree in leadership from your time in the military. Yeah. You go overseas, you see cultures and and countries that operate yep. very differently here. And then you see people trying to change, fundamentally change America. Yes. And and that's, is that your on-ramp? It most certainly is. Yeah. And, and right after the military, I went to grad school up at Cornell University. Oh, yeah. And so I earned, I did three master's degrees in four years. Jesus. So I did a master's in business, public administration. Nobody told me you had more degrees than a thermometer. This is, this is <laughs> unbelievable. What haven't you done, Wesley? You, I mean, I guess not, you're not a we're congressman gonna get, yet. We're going to get to that. When you, when, you, when you ask me what I would be doing if I wasn't doing this, I got a good answer. You got a good it. answer? I thought, okay. I thought long and hard about it. Okay, great. good, good. A real friend of the program. He's done his research. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, so talk to us about, you know, the campaign. Yeah. And I know you got in a little while ago. You're interested in doing this. Clearly, you're working hard. You've surrounded yourself with good people. How's it going? It's going amazing. It's going amazing. And, and the groundswell of support that we have seen in just a very short period of time has been nothing but a blessing. And I, and I got to say that. And I have an awesome team. I have an awesome campaign manager. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah. See what I did there, James? He's sitting in the room for he's those here. of He's you. here, guys. Uh, <laughs> he's here. He's here. He appreciates it. I have it. one hell of a campaign manager here. <laughs> and, um, you know, we ran last cycle, came up a little bit short, uh, but performed really well. And thank God for Texas. We were able to get two new congressional seats because everyone knows that the beacons of freedom reside in Texas and in Florida. That's right. Amen. And, and we'll take and we'll take your seats. Don't worry. And we'll, <laughs> and we'll make them just right. Yeah. I like that. And and we were very fortunate and blessed to actually get a seat at basically in the same media market in the same area, roughly, that I just ran in and also added kind of the northern part where I was born and raised. Yeah, well, that's what you said. That that's different from the last time. Yes, very different. Right. So it's now you've different. actually got your hometown, your home church. You were saying my home church is in the new district. It's, right. It is. I mean, it's a revival happening, man. And I cannot <laughs> wait for this. And, and then and then you look at the results from Virginia. Oh my goodness! You know, with Republican Glenn Youngkin winning, and you got to look at that too and say, wow, we got a red wave coming. Oh yeah, might have, might have gotten on board for the big win. Yeah, yeah. I I think we have. Yeah, I think we have. And a lot of this whole thing is climate, too. You know, it, it's it's politics is really interesting and I'm, I'm relatively new to it. Um, but just seeing kind of how you could do everything right and come up short if it's just not the right time. Yeah. And then literally one year later in a state where Biden won by 10 points to watch it flip red and not just like red, <laughs> like the governor, lieutenant governor and AG. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, wait a minute. What just happened? Right. Just goes to show you that this is clearly going to be a good time. And it's just been a disaster watching Joe Biden hobble around, you know, trying to, quote, lead this country. It's just been ridiculous. People are sick of it. And I think this is going to be the backlash of the American spirit fire once again, stepping up to steal our country back from the enemy. Yeah. And I, and I love being a part of it. Yeah, well, it's awesome. Well, listen, I, what I'm always interested in candidates 
is sort of how you you sort of formulated your ideology. I think yours is pretty clear, right? You're from Texas. Yeah. You went to West Point. You got a military family. I'm not surprised that you're a conservative of man. Of course. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I'm not surprised. Yeah. But I don't know if there's anything about that journey that you think is, is sort of interesting or if there's any pieces to it that you've taken with you through the years that have sort of formulated now your views and how you see the Biden administration taking this country and, and sort of what the left is trying to do writ large. You know, there are a lot of people that have paid a lot for us to be able to sit here in this country yeah. and breathe free American air and put our feet on free, solid American soil. A lot of people died for the ideals of what it means to be an American and what it means to have capitalism and freedom and, and, and the rights that, that we've been given to us by our Constitution. People actually died for that. Mm -hmm. My friends died for that. My West Point classmates actually died for that. And I think that perspective always permeates everything that I do at the end of the day. And if you go online and you see the nasty things that get said about just people in general that don't even know me or my family, it's kind of disgusting yeah and the question that i get all the time is wesley you have four degrees all right like why are you doing this like you could do anything else and my response is actually really simple my mom texted me yesterday i have 14 classmates that never speak to their mom again yeah it's not that hard it's not that bad mm -hmm. and when we are literally fighting a cultural war as to what it means to be an american or not my friends and my colleagues did not die for white people or for black people or for Asian people or for Hispanic people. They died for Americans. Yeah. This is the greatest experiment in history of the world. We are currently blessed to be a part of it. And who are we to not defend it? Yeah. It's just that simple. If it's if it's worth defending, you're in an Apache. That's the answer. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. It's a, listen, it's a great story. And you've certainly come upon a unique period of time. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're dealing with unbelievable, as you said, existential issues, whether it's economic, social, cultural. Mm -hmm. It appears like this sort of renewed resurgence in the left that has basically taken over the Democratic Party. Let's not get wrong. Absolutely. Here. Like there are very few. When you talk about moderate Democrats. Does it? What's that? Man, I'm looking around. <laughs> I can't find what's one. that. Right. Right. <laughs> and so. It's like a unicorn covered, covered in pixie dust. Like, <laughs> right. you, you find me one of those, and I'll find you a moderate Democrat. Right. So, yeah. you, so you're going to hit the ground running on this? Uh, sprinting like Usain Bolt. <laughs> let's go. Let's like, go. Like, let's, like, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Does it bother you at all? And I want to talk about Afghanistan in a minute because I'd, I'd be interested in getting your perspective. Does it bother you at all to listen to some of the top military brass earlier in this year sort of reset the compass in terms of what they're concerned about, right? When they're talking about things like like white rage instead of hypersonic <laughs> missiles, right? Like I'm stealing that. Well, as a veteran, somebody who sacrificed so much and watched your friends and classmates sacrifice uh -huh. it all, uh -huh. when they're sort of resetting that dial, and I look, I don't want to put you in a bad spot because I know military men It's not a bad spot. But, but, but I'm just saying that's got to bother you. It's the truth. It, bother, it bothers me to yeah. my core. And it's one thing if we're actually taking care of business from a war fighting standpoint, but given the debacle that we just saw in Afghanistan, we're clearly not. Mm -hmm. So why are we talking about white rage and CRT in the military when, by the way, it is a true meritocracy? That's right. It literally is. If right? there's ever been one. If there's ever been one, this is as close as you're going to get to it. Right. My family has been a part of it. 
And I'm, I'm here. I'm here to tell you, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always going to be some issues everywhere, totally. but that's as close to a meritocracy as we are going to get. And let's not forget, Colin Powell just 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 passed away. Four-star general, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The man was born in 1937. <laughs> he had it pretty hard and still became a four-star general, right? And a secretary of state in this country. So, like, like let's let's really start to push back on what it means to be a war fighter, what it means to go to West Point, what it means to be in the military. It is our job to find the enemy and make them go away. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's our primary purpose. God, I love the clarity of that, though. You, <laughs> it's just yeah. that's it. Really, I mean, it's just that simple. It's just so. I just it's just it's go. Perfect. And so when you're when you're looking at hearings and you're looking at our you know four star generals sit here and talking about you know social issues, and then meanwhile we completely botch, completely botch that Afghanistan withdrawal. It's concerning. Yeah. Well, and then there's the broader implications, you know, vis-a-vis China, right? Back yeah. to the hypersonic missiles here. Yeah. It's like, why are we focused on this when there's a long term, you know basically cold war between the united states and china for you know who's going to control the future yes. right in, in in places like afghanistan yes in africa and they're there now Bob. and they're there now yeah so like tell us more about that you know you you bring up a very good point the greatest threat to our nation is not climate change right now <laughs> right <laughs> it's China. Right, right. Contrary to what anybody might tell you or believe, and even though I I'm, I know Joe Biden is sleeping right now through all the t- <laughs> <laughs> too soon. Oh, no, 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 no. I figure you, you guys are actually, you're actually yeah, too we, late. I think we've you're already actually- commented on it a couple of times. <laughs> well, it was the only sleeping episode that I think I give him a pass on because did you hear the backdrop? It no. was really horrible. It was all, I mean, I would have been out. But if that, if this is the, the greatest existential threat to our nation, as as you so, so self-proclimated that that was the case, you can't sleep through that. You I can't care. sleep through this, right? Yeah, right. right? You think you'd be taking I would, notes. I wouldn't be sleeping through hypersonic missiles. No, yeah. I know that. I know I'm not sleeping through that. <laughs> <laughs> you might be. Uh, um, but no, it's, it's an interesting point. Not, not just that. Not from a defense standpoint with China because they're building their military. They're playing the long game. There is there is an intellectual property issue in the yeah. stealing of our intellectual property. Uh, there is the, the control of our, of our of our nation's debt that China has. We have a big issue. Yeah. And then let's also not forget that we have now spent almost $6 trillion because of COVID-19 and it came from China. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's a problem. They owe us $5 trillion. <laughs> yeah. Right. That is the bottom. And I don't line. care how you pay it. I mean, I'll take in a small unmarked bills. I'll, I'll, I'll take cash, credit, whatever. Whatever. But we'll you make, owe us. Make, we'll make the memo line out to gain a function. Right. <laughs> uh, you did the gain a function. You owe us the billion. That's it. Yeah. Re-Rona. Re-Rona. <laughs> and we'll send Wesley over in an Apache to pick it up. That's right. D- done. I'll, I'll fly it right there on the lawn, man. I don't mind. Put it in one of those crates that... Uh, uh, Obama used to deliver That's to right. the, the Iranians. The palace. But, yeah. guess what? but they won't, it won't even get here because we have a supply chain issue. Right. Yeah, all right. And so we won't, we'll, never, we'll never see any dime that much. If it's man. in a cargo container, you got a it's real over. problem. It's over. Yeah. We'll it's get over. that sometime in like Christmas 23. <laughs> right. Not this time. More than <laughs> no, that. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So what do you think is the biggest challenge as you're getting into this? And, and let's just fast forward. Let's say you're elected. Mm-hmm. What do you think the biggest challenge confronting the country is at that point? Because there's many. There's, there's tons. Right? There's so tons. I don't know if you prioritize it. I don't even know how I'd answer that question. But I know from your perspective, I'd be super interested yeah. in hearing what you think. 
there's 435 congressmen and women, which means that there are 435 different priorities and right. a list of priorities for each individual. And it's that individual's job to represent their district. My district has the energy corridor and Houston is the energy capital of the world and the entire energy corridor is within my district. And the lies that are being told about the fossil fuel industry have got to stop. Mm. And it, there needs to be a, a, an overhaul of the education of this country in terms of what energy means, how, where, where it comes from, and how it is used and consumed. Yeah, when the people um, plug in an electric car, they just think that, uh, I don't know, comes from rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Where's the electricity come from? Yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah. I, I plugged it's it correct. into the wall. I don't know how it works. It, it, it just happened. Yeah. And, 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 Suddenly, yeah. I can drive that's places. It, that's it. They all know that it comes from coal and natural gas. Right. right. Like to power that grid, right? right. Well, you well you all know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but most people don't. I always tell yeah. people all the time. I love Tesla, by the way. It's a great product, and they just moved their headquarters to Texas. That's right. Yeah, I was just gonna say, come on, the Texas. That's yeah. right. I, I feel like I feel like Suge Knight. <laughs> right? Do y'all remember like that yes, in the day? Yes, so it's, yes. like, it's like oh, come the death row. Yeah. More than you if think. You don't the like, death row. <laughs> 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 it's, like, yeah. it's like if you don't want your producer dancing in your video. Yeah, yeah it's just, come the death row. I'm like y'all come to Texas. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want your producer dancing. Videos. <laughs> that so didn't good. end so you well, though, it, Wesley. That didn't end so well. That was the Source Awards. Well, I remember that. It's a Source Awards. Yes. Yes. <laughs> didn't end but so well for like, a lot of people. <laughs> no, but I felt like if you don't want people trampling on the Constitution, yeah, right. taking away your First Amendment, Second Amendment rights, come to Texas. Yeah. yeah. How, how was that? The that's only, great. That's, that's great. That's great. It's good. <laughs> the only one that made it out of that was the guy dancing in the video. And now he's a billionaire. That's right. Because he knew what he was doing. Yeah. All right. So I got three big questions for you. Yeah, man. Yeah. We we ask everybody on the program these three, and I know you have having listened, and now I I, I think prepared. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm going to ask. The first one is, if you can plan your last meal on Earth, what is it? It is my mom's Thanksgiving feast that she's made for us for years. Oh, it's it's this broccoli casserole. It's a it's a turducken that my dad kind of deep fries. It's absolutely amazing, oh. and it's oyster dressing. Oh, and then I mean, if that's my last meal, not only do I want to eat it, I want to just put it, just put it in the bathtub and I just bathe in it too. <laughs> well, you're gonna it. get this sucker in a couple weeks. I, I, I am. I know. And it's I, got me looking forward to Thanksgiving. And I can't wait. Oh. I can't wait. And, and and hopefully we can afford it though. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, and if, 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 hopefully turkeys are available. Yeah, right. Hopefully right? they're available. <laughs> you go. You to better the... get them now and freeze them. Seriously. Oh man, that's actually true and, yeah. and a little scary. Um, <laughs> all right. Second question. Yeah. If you never got into public service, if you weren't interested in politics, given your background and everything else, what do you think you'd be doing with your life? I'd be a Formula One driver. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Hands down, period. Yes. Night is that our first Formula One? I think it is. I think it is, too. You yeah. know, they got a wonderful track there outside of Austin, that oh, F1 track. Oh, I've been. I've Circuit been to Dakota. Of the Americas. I've been there. The thing is fantastic. You, have you been? I have been. Is, is, it not, is it not the best weekend, most fun you've ever had in your life? It's incredible, yes. and and the and the music, yes, um, the whole atmosphere, it's really set up for an F one race. It is. You it know, is. there's a lot of tracks where it's not particular to the sport, yep. and it's a it's a great time. Highly recommend it. It was awesome. So so, when did you get into this? Has this been a lifelong I've been, thing? I've been a fan of Formula One for a while, and then kind of when I started watching these guys basically get into this multi million dollar, amazing, amazingly engineered machine. And the only thing you do is drive it. And then you get to see the world. 
and you get to travel around and you get to meet all these cool people from everywhere and then you just race. <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, race. it is pretty when cool. When you put it that way. That's all you do yeah. is race. It, it's right. awesome, right. right? And you get paid millions of dollars to race and like the worst car to be in is a Haas. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I, I don't have I'll, to be on Team Mercedes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to be on Patronus. Yeah, I really right, know. Right. Or Red Bull. I mean, right. I'll, I'll take I'll take Haas. Whatever yeah. you got, totally fine. I'm so long for the ride. I have, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. I have to le- I have to uh, let you in on a little sort of inside the program uh, dispute that we've had, and okay. what you've done today is provide ammunition to an argument that has been levied by these two gentlemen over here, Duncan included. Look, we like open wheel. Uh, <laughs> where we have a NASCAR versus Formula One discussion. Yeah. yeah. I've maintained for years it's very Euro. Yes. And I prefer my cars. Uh, more middle America and North Carolina, I think, is where NASCAR is based. Yes. So it's an ongoing debate. But what you've done here is provide m- a lot of ammunition for them to beat me up. Uh, <laughs> my bad. My, I didn't, I, didn't I, I wasn't ready. I didn't know. I didn't, had I known. Oh, so good. And, and NASCAR is amazing, by the way. I love I've been to Talladega. It's the, You've it's, been to Talladega? Oh, my gosh. It's huh. so much fun. But I think it's the idea of these guys. If you're F1, you're, you're in Coda. So, so you're in Austin. Then you're in Mexico. Yeah, And then it's you're like cool. in Monaco. And then you're in Switzerland. And then you're <laughs> like, this is amazing. Yeah, no, I get it. it, it I you get see it. what I'm saying? Like, I get it. I and, get and it. don't get me wrong. NASCAR is awesome. But you're in Indianapolis. Which is great. <laughs> Yes, he you're, took a shot at India. Okay. Totally even, Wesley. You're I'm, from, I'm, I'm from Indianapolis. Like, shut up. Stop talking. It's, it's even now. Yeah. Now we're even. I said it's great, though. It's great. It is great. It's great. It's great. It's, great city. It's great. Okay. It's not, okay. Yeah, it's not, no, I'm getting it. All right. So, third and final question. We're having too much fun here. Um, so, what motivates you more? What goes to the core of your motivation, Wesley? Is it the thrill of victory? the glass half full type guy charging up the hill at all times, or is it the agony of defeat, the, the mere prospect that there's anybody on this planet who can do something better than you? It's neither. It's the grind to get there. I like that. Regardless. And winning or losing, it's always the grind. Huh. And are you going to be the person that gets up the next day and chooses to kick butt or not? Right. That's it. Sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you can't even control victory or... My highs aren't too high. My lows aren't too low. It's the everyday grind. I like that. It's very zen. It's like just the process. Just trust it's, the process. Trust the just process. the process. <laughs> yeah. Just trust yeah. the process. I love that. That's great. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for Man, coming in here to too join us. too much fun. Yes. Yeah, you got to keep us updated on how everything's going. I will. I want to come back, too. And next time we're in Houston, I'm going to drop by for one of those turduckins. You better. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. My dad would love that. I love that. I love, I love that. It. I love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell Rogan, I think I may have more fun on this one than Rogan. Oh. <laughs> oh. Start, a, start a war. Yeah. You hear that, Joe? <laughs> Listen, I'll let him punch down whenever he wants. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Keep us updated. Good luck in the campaign of and course, come see man. us again. Thank you. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you. Much thank you. Thank you. Got to love that guy, huh? Outstanding. I love him, dude. I mean, the guy is so incredibly passionate and i mean it really comes through when he's in studio right like it you know it's just, it makes the interview so great to be able to sit across the table from a guy as he tells you his life story you know the, uh, the being in a helicopter over baghdad and stuff yeah you know and like the guy's got multiple master's degrees totally and he's saying you know what i've done all of this i've worked this hard 
And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to run for Congress where people are going to be taking shots at me all day. And he's like, I can take it. I mean, you this, know? Is, this is how we win. This yeah. is how we this win. This is how we win. We get great candidates. We run on the issues that matter to American voters. And we're going to, I mean, the red wave is going to be unbelievable. But yes. keep your eyes on the ball, folks. Eyes on the ball. You got to have people like this guy, yeah. right? It doesn't mean you, you can't just select candidates to make you feel good about all the shit that makes you feel bad. You have to have candidates that are representative, that, that are solid conservatives, that you know are going to do the right thing, that have the appeal of your districts or states. This is a guy that does. That's the message of the program. That's the message that I took out of Virginia last night that I think Jesse illuminated Man, for us I today. I love that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, That's it right there. Yeah, Holmes, Holmes put a little bow on the whole thing. Another banger of an episode, folks. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.